0: I'm Pete Primo. This is the podcast for furniture and mattress store owners who want to make more money without the BS. Welcome to the No BS Sales, Marketing, and More podcast for furniture and mattress stores. If you own a furniture or mattress store, or you work in one, this is a podcast for you. Pete Primo here with Doug Stewart, my co-host. It is episode 16 Welcome, Doug. Welcome, brother. Thanks, Pete. How are you today, man? I'm good. So the subject of the day is my co-host, Doug Stewart. And the reason he's a subject is because I listened to a really cool podcast that Mark Kinsley did for Sleep Geek. And I learned things about my friend and my co-host that I never knew. I want to make sure these things get out there because I know that you as a retailer – You have your ups and you have your downs, and probably they're in reverse order, but you know what I'm saying. And Doug has had his ups and his downs, and here he stands, a thought leader in the industry. I have given him the nickname, The Giver and it's because he gives of himself more than any other human being that I know in this business, and he's just a special person, and I think we can all learn. Um, If you look at Doug and and you see a tall, handsome guy, and you think that's all there is to him, he's laughing. And you think that's all there is to him, think again. He's had some downs, and he's had some ups, and the best will, uh, will be in the future. But, Doug, can you remember... Some of your foundational experiences in your childhood that taught you your values.
1: Yeah, I I can. Um, you know, I was I was born in in North Carolina, in a little town called Sanford, and from kindergarten until the time I graduated high school, I went to the same Christian school, Grace Christian, and um, a lot of my values are were sort of based there. Um, I had a I had some incredible um, mentors and incredible teachers while I was there, and you know some some of those teachers did not necessarily believe in me, and some did and believed that I was better than um what i what i thought and so you know being around sort of that atmosphere of of Christianity um having the undertones of of morality and 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 focus on something something greater than yourself was um, was certainly foundational in uh in a lot of ways
0: you often you know not only are we partners on this podcast, and you're my co-host, and and, and we have a little bit of a mastermind—me, you, Jeff Chinakovo, and Simon Aronowitz, uh that started in High Point at a dinner and, and continues to this day. I often re—I'm—I'm I'm a fan, and I read your blog, and I know that you had a very close relationship with your grandfather. So, can you talk about that a little bit?
1: Yeah, my, my grandfather well really both of my grandfathers. I had I had my grandfather on my mother's side was the was the furniture guy and my grandfather on the on my father's side was um was a frame guy. And so he worked thirty some years for Pepsi and retired and then decided to start a framing company. And um so I, I grew up in, in his shed and and going fishing and walking in the woods with him and and learning a lot of a lot of life lessons of, and, and some I've, some I've even wrote about and my grandfather on the other side was a completely different person but a lot of the same a lot of the same values. so I had the opportunity to see um, different um, different looks at the same thing and I think that's that's maybe rare for, for a lot of kids to have yeah. um, two two people that are so influ- influential in their lives that give them um, give them the same thing differently.
0: That's, that's awesome. Uh, so two distinct different personalities and characters, but a lot of the same values. So yeah. kept coming back to the same values. That, so, you know, there was in, in Mark's podcast, there was a, a point where you got a label and I want you to talk about that label, what it was, what it meant to you, how to influence your life, and ultimately how you overcame it. So there, there I go again—six questions sure. in one. <laughs> no sense in sending you out an outline,
1: I'll, my friend. I'll, I'll see. I'll see how many of those I can get to. Okay, so. Um, yeah, the the label happened when I was about five. Um, I was I was sent into this this room in uh, during the summer and given all these tests and hooked up to some of the some machines and asked a lot of weird questions. Um, and out of that, I was diagnosed with ADD, ADHD, um, dyslexia, sleep apnea, and this sort of weird form of like narcolepsy. And so I was I was told that I wasn't necessarily stupid, but I, I didn't learn like the other kids. <laughs> and so I was, never, um, I was never expected to perform academically at the same level as, as other people. And so from that time on, I was either pushed through or, going, or I went to summer school. Um, I was put on Ritalin. And um, I, I really hated that. What, it, what that told me about myself is that, that I wasn't in control of who I was. And so I needed medication even as a child to, um, to, to be right or to be good. And, you know, my, my parents, I think, did did the best they could. I was their first son, and they had never had a hyperactive, crazy kid before. <laughs> and so they were doing what they were told to do and doing the best that they could. And so I can, I can remember as a kindergartner walking in with my book bag and then this other blue bag that on the side said NILD, which stood for the Nas- National Institute for the Learning Disabled. And having my little my little my little hook to hook it on and it it just sort of set as a memorial to me every day that that I was something less than everyone else, and so they you know I'd have to leave class two or three times a day to go take my pill, and then I'd leave class to go to the n i o d room and and do these like these their little curriculum, which gave me more work to do, which um discouraged me even more and made me even worse at what I do. At school, and um, luckily, I was I was a pretty decent athlete, and I was I was taller than all the other kids. And like I said, I went to the same school from the time I was in kindergarten till the day I graduated high school. So it was a K through twelve school. And so by the time I was in fifth grade, I was practicing with the varsity basketball team. And um, I had a I had a cousin that that went to the um, to Grace with me who was a few years older when i was in 7th grade he was he was a senior and so it 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 gave me an opportunity to kind of be in with the with the big guys and practice and play with the big guys and i, I got the privilege of getting beat up on the basketball court by my by my big cousin for for years and years which which really helped me and you know i i really believe that the only way i got an opportunity to go to college was because of my athletic ability and so it was this funny sort of dichotomy that you know, I couldn't perform in the classroom, but I could perform on the basketball court. And I knew I knew my angles, right? I knew geometry on the basketball court, but in the classroom I didn't I didn't know my angles. <laughs> but they're the same angles, right? And so um I I had this um I, I had a pretty good mind for for basketball and this this really um this really messed up um, lacking mind for 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 education and schoolwork and so that's that's really how i lived my life from the time i was a kindergartner
0: to the time that i was a junior in college wow so at some point in time this turned i mean this changed so can you point to one place where it changed Doug?
1: Yes, I can point to the day that it changed. Wow! (laughs) I'm all ears, my friend. All right, so, so it was it was funny. I was I was kind of a big fish in a small pond in high school, right? I was I was a really good basketball player, was really good athlete, um, in this small Christian school, in this small, you know. I I had I don't know. I think I scored 2,600 points in in high school or something. I don't know what it was. It was it was a big number, and you know, averaging thirty points a game, having, you know, fifty point games here and there, and, you know, getting recruited by a lot of different people. And I decided to go to Liberty. Well I walked into the door and realized that 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 the guys on this basketball team were grown men (laughs) and they and they weren't the same you know, I walked in six foot seven, 220 pounds, and these guys are six, seven, 230 pounds, and they're point guards, right? Right. And so, um, really, really sort of rocked my world. And, and I think because I hadn't developed that mental toughness from outside of my athletic life, it really, it really affected me in a very negative way. And so, I, I started to not be able to perform athletically. Um, because I allowed my mind to tell me things that it had told me about other areas of my life, that I wasn't good enough, that that I couldn't make it, that I couldn't compete, and then all these things start sort of welling up. Well, even basketball started to started to struggle, and you know I had little injuries here and there—a broken thumb, a you know t- a tendonitis. Shin splints and the things that are just irritating, right? You, I broke my pinky toe, right? And it's like, coach, I can't practice. Well, what's wrong with you? Well, my pinky toe's broken. Isn't really a good excuse, right? right? So, right. so you have to sort of play through some of that stuff. Yep. And and I really and I really struggled all the way through college. And I had a had a had a couple of good seasons and a couple of really good games, but I was never able to put a put a whole put a whole string of games together, even though my ability said that I could. Right. Well, I walked into um, my academic advisor. She was the academic advisor for the athletic department. I walked into her office. Her name was Sarah Baker. And she was particularly frustrated that day <laughs> for, for some reason. And so I just sort of assumed you that a I was
0: freshman or a sophomore.
1: No, I was a, I was a junior. You were a junior. Yeah, so I had you were I had going through
0: college when this finally yeah. came to a head.
1: Yeah, and I think I had averaged a one point nine GPA up to that point. So like I'm on the brink right now at this point in my life of losing my scholarship, going back home, and like finding a job. Right, and I just felt like that was my that was my lot. That that's just how it was going to go. And so Sarah was frustrated. I wasn't really sure why. My, my assumption was that I I had gotten caught for something. <laughs> I just didn't know what I'd gotten caught for yet. I figured she would let me know. And so she asked me to to shut the door and sit down, and, and I did. And, and she said, you know what, the thing that really frustrates me about you is that you're a victim. And my response to her was you're you're right. I mean, I've got I've got this notebook right that says that I have all of these things that I can't do these things. So yeah, in some ways, I'm a victim. And you're right, Sarah. It, it does suck. And she said, no, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the fact that you're a victim because you've chosen to be, and you're a victim of your own thinking, and wow. you've allowed yourself to be defined by what other people have told you or what's on a piece of paper that is worthless, is meaningless. And she said, so here's what we're going to do. And she, she had on her desk a stack of construction paper, like kids con- like the colored kids' construction paper. And beside that, she had a box of Crazy 8 crayons. And she said, every day you're going to come into my office after practice, I'm going to read you your homework, and you're going to draw whatever will help you remember it. I don't have to understand it. You don't have to make sense of it. You just have to know what it means, right? You don't have to explain it to me. And so I thought it was ridiculous and a waste of my time. Um, but she sort of had that authority to make me do that. And that's what I did. So every day after after class, after practice, I'd go to her office. We'd sit in her office. She would read me whatever it was um, that I had for homework. And I would write it out on this this preschooler construction paper with these crazy eight crayons and it was funny that after a couple of days I started to remember some of the stuff she was reading because remember at that time I had a sixth grade reading comprehension I was 20 sixth grade reading comprehension and even less than that in 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 other things right in yeah. I I mean I could barely put a sentence together on paper much less much less write a research paper, and you would think that a junior in college would have the capacity to write write a paper, right? Because you're sort of supposed to do that in college. And so um, it was funny that gradually my my attitude started to change about what I could learn, what I could remember, and what I was capable of from an uh, academic standpoint. And all of a sudden, my mind shifted and what was interesting was the the previous semester i had a 1.9 the very next semester um, after my time with sarah i had a 3.9 and completely changed my life and so what that told me was that i i wasn't i wasn't defined by what other people said about me and there there are some things that look i just can't do right i'm six foot seven i'm 230 pounds i'm just not going to be a jockey Right. Right. It's just not going to. There are some things that I can't do, um, but it shouldn't be because someone tells me that I can't do it. That it sure. should be because of of true a true limitation. And some people have true limitations and I have a, a lot of them. But one of those limitations isn't learning. <laughs> and so it that that's what really that's what really changed me. So that that started my path toward um, this sort of hunger. And one of the things I, I told you know, Mark Kinsley, when when we talked on Sleep Geek podcast was that I just I feel like I'm always behind. And that's one of the reasons why I I try to get after it every day for as long as I can and read as much as I can and talk to people like you and like Kinsley and Quinn and all these people that 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 I feel like I can I can learn a ton from because I feel like I I didn't start until I was 22. (laughs) I didn't start learning (laughs) at all.
0: So, Doug, how old are you now? I'm 31. So for the last nine years, you have been drinking it up. I mean, just studying everything you could study. I mean, what's amazing to me, and I guess the lesson from all of this is, you know, for our listeners out there, the furniture and mattress store owners, somebody told you you couldn't do it. Either they said it or they didn't say it, but they said it. Yeah. And, you know, owning any kind of store is difficult. Owning a furniture and a mattress store in today's economy is a true challenge. Mm -hmm. And so just because somebody says something doesn't mean you need to buy into it. And when we buy into what somebody else says and let it define us, we make ourselves a victim and I think that's what your angel, Sarah Baker, was yeah. really trying to say to you.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, one thing I'd like to make clear is that just because you believe that doesn't mean that you'll always succeed. It just means that you will ultimately succeed. Yeah. <laughs> um, because even after that, I, I went home and um, had this desire to get into the furniture business and purchase my grandfather's company from him, his flagship store in Raleigh. And, had a tremendous I mean like tremendous failure <laughs> um, as, a, as a result of, of owning that company and it just wasn't going well and um, you know hurt hurt my family dynamic hurt my hurt myself emotionally put my put my family in in tough positions here and there and you know I, one of the things that one of the reasons why, um, I think I have such a passion for this business, particularly for for retailers, and, and one of the reasons that that I love being a part of Mega Group so much, frankly, is because it's about the retailer. And I've been that retailer with sitting at my desk with my hands in my. Of my face in my hands, wondering how I'm going to pay my people (laughs) this week, (laughs) and what am I going to do next, and how am I going to get to my goal, and for gosh sakes, how am I going to ever even retire? (laughs) Much much less, um, you know, or how am I going to how am I going to be in business next month? Next month, much less have my thirtieth anniversary um, celebration down the road, and you know, and and I look back and I and I saw my parents do the same thing. And I saw that the way that that the business beat my grandfather up from time to time, and how frustrated it made him. But I also look at look at all of the successes that I had within that, and all the successes that I've seen, and all the all the great stories, and all the great retailers that have that have taken. I mean, Pete, my grandfather started a yard sale that turned into five furniture stores. Wow! <laughs> and and he he started actually quick story about about. Sort of my my background and the, I guess the type of people that that I come from and I'm very proud of this is that my grandfather grew up as a as a tenant farmer. So tenant farmers have nothing, right? They 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 are just. It's, I mean, it's poverty. It is. So my grandfather.
0: It's really um, was, slavery. It is. It it's is a form in a, of slavery. In
1: a, in a, in a great, yeah, and in, in in many ways, it it is. Um, and it's and it's really. Um, a almost a hopeless position for for many people, particularly in the 30s, right. <laughs> when my grandfather was born. And so he was he was his father was a tenant farmer, and um, he knew that he was either going to be broke on the farm or broke in the city. So he decided he at least had a shot in the city. So he moved from Roxboro, North Carolina, to Raleigh, North Carolina, and got a job working at, at a tire sales and service place. And realized that, I mean, he's buying like day-old bread and he's got a couple, he's got two girls and, you know, his wife to provide for. And so he said, I've got to do something. I've got to start a business. And so every, every um, Friday he would look in the paper and this is back when like people read the paper and the paper mattered. um, But he would read the paper and he would look in this, in the section where the yard sales were going to be. And he would call all of those people and say, anything you have left over, I'll come pick it up on Sunday. And so he'd ride around Sunday and pick up all the stuff that no one wanted, no one bought, and he'd have his own yard sales. Well, he did that until he had enough enough money to rent a little thousand square foot um, um, storefront on South Sunder Street, just just south of downtown Raleigh. And I mean, dude, he would sell furniture and socks and shoes and he didn't care anything he could get his hands on. Right? He was he would sell it and. <laughs> I mean, I mean he, he would joke even even when he had his furniture. Look, they say, is this they look at a piece and say, is this for sale? He'd say, I'll sell to you the sheetrock if the price is right. <laughs> right. You you have anything. I'll sell I'll sell I'll sell absolutely anything to you. And so um, it's it's interesting the way he got into the furniture business is he had a friend call him and say, I've got I've got an acquaintance that has a motel and she's going out of business. It was like 34 rooms. And so he called this lady and made a deal to take all of her furniture from her motel, all the mattresses, all the everything and sell it on consignment. And that's how he ultimately got into the furniture business. So from that point, five years later, he had built, paid for and completely stocked a 14,000 square foot store. And if you buy in a couple of years after that, he had four more locations. And so just that like grit and and get after (laughs) it-itis. Is you know, but but that also you know you look at that and you say you know that's such a cool story that's such an awesome thing. He he also on the other side he had a heart attack when he was fifty years old, triple bypass surgery because he worked himself to death, because he had that grit to the highest degree, right? And so you have to look at that and 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 I've and I've said how how can I learn from from this? How can I have that grit without having a heart attack at (laughs) fifty and a triple bypass surgery? (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Um, Gosh, I can remember I can remember my my grandfather just not taking vacation like ever. Not a day off, not a vacation. He he would take Sunday off and that was it. Right? 6 days a week go hard and he was he was really frustrated because I decided to get married on a Saturday. <laughs> Because he had to go to Richmond and he, he would have rather me gotten married on like a Sunday so he didn't have to take off work. And I'm like, granddaddy, sorry, you know, I'm not even making this decision, right? I'm, this, is, this is my fiance's decision and this is what we're doing. Um, <laughs> and, and so he, he drove up there for the, for the wedding. And on that Saturday, we lost a check for $435 and some change. Bad check. And I was working there at the time. Well, I went on my honeymoon and I came back and I worked about a week and it was time for my paycheck. And I got a paycheck and I was $435 short in my paycheck. So I went to him, I said, Granddaddy, I- I'm $435 short in my paycheck. He said, Yeah, you're paying me back for that check we lost, because if I would have been here, we wouldn't have lost it. <laughs> so and that's just how he rolled, right? And I wow. and I did. And that's and that's just how that's just how invested he was Um, and there are a lot of lessons that I've been able to take on on both sides right Um, unfortunately he passed in 2010 the day that he the day that he passed away I went to see him at the hospital and I was going to see him every every day before and after work because he wouldn't let me miss work to come see him (laughs) at the hospital and so he I I go to the hospital the very last day he said to me um, this was probably two hours before he passed away He he said to me, um, in a couple of days I'm gonna I'm gonna feel better and I'm gonna come answer the phones for you. And he 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 died believing he was gonna go back to work tomorrow. (laughs) And you know those are the kind of things that I mean you talk about values and and what I got as a kid those are the sort of values and that's the sort of work ethic that that was instilled in me at a, in a very deep level and my other grandfather was was very much the same i mean he 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 died um chopping wood in his yard right i mean he died working and and that's just and and he also way too early you know he he passed in his 70s and both of them should still be here and so you you look at that and you say you know what what can i learn both both good and bad because other than other than Jesus Christ himself, right no one 's perfect, and Amen. everyone has their flaws and that's one of my that's one of my focuses as I, as I look for mentors and i and I, I believe that i ha- 've got about two dozen mentors, <laughs> and they're all you. and they 're and they're categorical right and right. so and and there there are people that that I believe are my mentors on a very deep level in a, because I want to get this out of this relationship because they're they're masters at this part right but maybe their health and wellness isn't something that I want to (laughs) model
0: right right and the
1: other way around right I've got friends that gosh their health and the way they take care of their bodies and the way they're able to perform and the the way they're able to maintain energy is something that I I want to glean from Um, but their other maybe I don't want to do other things the way that they do and I think that's important to be able to look at our past and and that's one thing this this really helped me is to be able to look at my failures, be able to look at the failures of the people I've been close to, and also be able to look at the successes without taking any honor away from from those people.
0: So what's your biggest success in in your professional career? I, I know you've got an incredible position with mega uh buying group as their director of training and that affords you a lot of creativity Mm -hmm. and it affords you to impact a lot of lives and you know you were that rsa that sold and very much in your heart of hearts still are yeah um and you know i mentioned the nickname i gave you i I believe that's going to stick the giver because that's what you do you give Mm -hmm. um i've read your articles and Sleep Geek, and Furniture Today, so you were one of the young rising stars at Tempurpedic, and had just received a promotion into management that you had worked hard for, and you walked away from it all, and I thought that, you know, we've talked about this offline before, your reasons for doing that were so incredibly mature, it was almost like a sixty-year-old man made that decision, not a twenty-some year old man made that decision. Can you share that with us a little bit and then get back to your successes? Because there I go again. <laughs> um, well
1: the the, the Pedic thing, you know, I I, I love Temper Pedic, and even to this day, I sometimes I'm hard on Temper Pedic because I I feel like I'm still a part of that family. Sure. Um, and Tempers are, is a great company and I, and I love the heritage that they come from this weird little foam company coming in and you know taking over the taking the world by storm and 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 bucking the status quo. I mean a lot of that is, is how I feel like my story has been a little bit right a coming lot in like and really that. having I mean the day that I got hired at Tempur-Pedic, I, I couldn't put a paragraph together. My wife literally was proofreading every email I sent because I didn't have the capacity to to, to send a intelligent looking email. It's
0: okay. My um, wife still proofreads my emails.
1: Oh, mine does. Mine does too. It's just not okay. as it's not as time consuming as it used to be. Um, <laughs> and so, the, when I when I took the position at Tempur Pedic, I, I still had my furniture store. Um, but I knew the end was the end was near, and that I would be closing it before long. And it was interesting that I was—I had only worked for Tempurpedic for a handful of months. I closed my in the same in one month. I closed my company, um, which is a whole other podcast about that process and and how that affected the family dynamic. Yeah. Um, because my family is very much invested in the heritage of the, in, in of that company. And you made a decision to close it. Yeah, and that that wasn't that wasn't um a, a decision that everyone agreed with. Turkey tastes different when you make those kind of decisions at Thanksgiving. <laughs> wow. Yeah.
0: And um That's a great so, way any- of saying it. And you know, uh we will do another podcast on that because, you know, there are some of our listeners, they own furniture stores and they own mattress stores that have been in the family and they're wrestling with this right now.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and it's, I mean, gosh, it's a, it's a big one. And I can't think of a more challenging decision I, I made. Um, I pulled the trigger on, because I, I believed that it was the right time to close the store. And um, no GOB, no going out of business. My family was a, was against a lot of that stuff. And so I walked away and auctioned off the inventory I had left, pennies on the dollar, and said, you know, if you guys would like to run it, you can have it. And um, walked away the tremendous deficit that... You know, maybe shouldn't have happened, but it, but it did. And in that same month, um, we had our first daughter, our first, our first child, which was a daughter. Mm-hmm. And my wife quit her job to be a stay-at-home mom. And so we lost sixty-five <laughs> percent of our income in in thirty in a thirty-day period, and added a mouth to feed. And wow. so my commitment to my wife at that time was, I'll fix it <laughs> in two. Give me two years, and I'll fix it. And so I got after it at Tempur-Pedic, and I worked as hard as I could and brought as much value as I could and helped my retailers as much as I could.
0: So, so you closed the store, Doug. Yeah. And when do you start with Tempur-Pedic? A year later, two years later? No, I
1: was I was already with Tempur-Pedic. So I had worked for Tempur-Pedic for about six months. Okay. And so I was I was doing both at the time because oh. I knew that there had to be some sort of supplemental Something income. had to give when that when that transition happened yeah. um, and and I was hired ground like ground level at Pedic, like just a just at that time it was called uh, retail experience manager which was basically the foot foot soldier so my job was to to manage some of our smaller accounts in in the North Carolina market and um, you know one of the things when I when I met with um, Kimberly Campbell who was one of the best managers I've ever had I, I love Kimberly and she helped me in a, in a in an un, unspeakable way for for a lot of reasons you know one of the things that I, that I remember most is 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 feeling like you know having these conversations with Kimberly in the very beginning where she said you know Doug you're, you just don't seem like this is something that you'd want to, you'd want to do you know you have a you have a company you know why would you want to be a rep and i said well you know the thing is Kimberly I don't want to do this position for very long <laughs> and my my goal isn't this my goal is something else and I'd like to be more influential and and to be able to help more people and I think I can do that outside of outside of my company better than I can inside of my company um for for my personal vision for my life and you know she helped me realize that and you know within I don't know the the first year I was promoted the second year I was I was promoted. had had some opportunities to do some other interesting stuff in the company that would have required um, more travel than I was willing to give at the time because of um, because of my little girl. Um, wanted to be home with her and 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 my wife. And right. you know, you ask about one of my greatest successes. The, the easy answer is my my two greatest is this this the second. I, I'll say this: the second greatest is something that. Um, I can't take a lot of credit for is, is biology, right? I, my daughter is my second greatest accomplishment. Just, just having that experience to be a father is, there's, there's, there's nothing greater. And there's a, lot of, there's a lot of me in her. I mean, she's a motormouth to the nth degree. Yeah. And, and, I, and I look at her and I see a lot of myself. So it's really fun to be able to say, what is this kid going to turn out like right. having a different mindset than I had? Yeah. And you know, I've seen what I've been able to accomplish in the last nine years, which is going to be really fun to watch her. So my my greatest accomplishment is convincing a woman like my wife to marry me. <laughs> and, and, and 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 you know, quick story: I was I was meeting with Kimberly Campbell in an interview. I had called her and bugged her. I knew she was going to be in Raleigh. I knew I wanted the position. I bugged her, and she said, "Look, we just don't hire." retailers like it doesn't make any sense and i said okay just meet just give me 15 minutes just let me meet with you and so i think she's scheduled me like the very last person of the day like just like this crazy guy won't leave me alone i'm just going to meet with him and we're having this meeting she's asking me all these questions i'm just not feeling like it's going well at all i mean i had no other experience than than owning this little um stack it deep sell it cheap furniture store warehouse with no ac right gotcha. um and she looked at me and she said, okay, last question. And I could tell, she didn't seem, I, I didn't feel like this was like going to happen. And she said, you know, what, tell me about the greatest sale you've ever made. What are you most proud of? And I said, Kimberly, here's the thing. You don't know me <laughs> and you won't know this to be true um, unless you hire me. But I will tell you that if you ever get an opportunity to meet and spend any time with my wife at all, you will know that I'm the absolute best salesperson that you've ever <laughs> laid eyes on, and you know she laughed and it was lighthearted and it helped sort of break the tension. Um, a couple of days later, she hired me. Wow! And, and that was how I started with Tempur Pedic and, you- and had this really fun, great run with them. And yeah, um, and and you know, just as much as Sarah Baker changed my life, so did Kimberly by giving me this that opportunity, and so okay. did. You know, Tom Brazil at Del Carnegie for giving me the opportunity at Del Carnegie. I mean, I, you, I look through life and people, you know, I hear this stuff about people being saying, saying the term self-made millionaire, right? Um, there's no such thing as self-made anything other than self-made, like, failure, <laughs> right? You there can is be self-made made failure. As a failure, but you can't be successful and be self-made. I can look every single year of my life. Even even during the time I was a victim as a as a child, and I can say these people have gotten me to here. And the only thing that 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 has changed my outcomes has been my attitude and my willingness to do the work. And so you know I look back at people like um, the 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 uh, principal of my of my school, Murray Davidson, who who made me who made me. Uh, memorized the the poem um, don't quit when things go wrong when they as they sometimes will right and so I still remember that and I just wasn't ready for it
0: (laughs) but I looked do you remember me posting that just a few weeks ago
1: yeah and it was certainly a a blast from the past but you know as a a seven-year-old he he took me to his office and he said this is something that you need to know and it was instilled in me then it didn't it didn't. It wasn't meaningful until Sarah Baker, right? But maybe without him, what she said and and and, and how she, um, how she disrupted my pattern, may not have have mattered as much as if it weren't people like him. And if it weren't for Sarah Baker, when Tom Brazil gave me an opportunity at Dell Carnegie, he probably would have never given me that opportunity if I wouldn't have had the transition that the Sarah Baker helped me get there, and. The same thing with people like Kimberly. The same thing with, you know, I mean, people all throughout all throughout my life, you look and you say, gosh, for anyone to ever say that they're self-made, they're asleep at the wheel.
0: Yeah, yeah. You know, that's a great point. And uh, Paul Castain sent me a, a, a book out of the blue, which I love. I, I That's something that I do now, too. I send people books every now and again. He sent me a book by Keith Ferrazzi called Never Eat Alone. Mm -hmm. He talks about his life and his life as a networker and the -hmm. importance of networking. And, you know, I start looking through my life and, you know what, if you, you know, I'm 54. If you would have told me, asked me that question at 35, hey, Pete, you know, you seem to be really successful and uh, are you a self-made guy? I probably very, very well might have beat myself on the chest and said, yeah, I'm a self made yeah. guy. But you know, then I look back at my life, and when I was just old enough to read, my grandmother gave me a copy. I still have it. It's a little tattered book with a red uh, cover, and it's called The Power of Positive Thinking by Norman mm-hmm. Vincent Peale. My yeah. grandmother gave me that book when I was 10 or 12 years old you know my mother and my father almost every day of my life for sure every week of my life told me i could be anything i wanted to be but mm-hmm. you know we don't have money and you're going right. to have to work hard and you're yeah. going to have to get after it and nothing's ever going to be handed to you mm-hmm. that conditioning um at a very young age is really what resulted in, in my successes. And and like you, I have lots of men- mentors that I've been blessed with, and it just seems like God brought the right men- mentors in at the right time and the right friends. And yeah. for anybody to look back on their life and beat themselves on the chest and say, I'm a self-made guy, you know, you've got to really check that, and you've got to yeah. really think it through. And, yeah, right. did you work hard? Yeah. Did I work hard? Yes you know do we care is our heart in the right place yes do we deserve everything we've gotten yes and more but nobody is self made i think that's a that's a great takeaway and, and listen guys if you own a furniture or mattress store out there and you're trying to do it all on your own here i'm putting up a big stop sign stop just stop right there and get in a community you know, join our Facebook community, start to become friends with other retailers. If you're scared that, you know, you don't want to make friends with the retailer in the town that you're at, okay, I get that to a degree. But go to markets, meet people, have your reps introduce you to people. You need a community. You need a network of people to, to draw on and, and why should you learn the hard way? You know, you have a great yeah. quote that, you know, you love about experience and what kind of a teacher it is. Right.
1: Experience is a teacher of fools.
0: It is. It truly I mean, is. it is. It, it absolutely it, is. And, you you and, should and not have to learn anything on your own that you could learn in a book or you could learn by listening to a story that somebody else that went through and just say, you know what? I'm going to avoid that. Right. I remember my father sitting down with me. And he used to say this, and it's really funny, Doug. He said, I was once a boy just like you, and my father told me the same thing that I'm about to tell you. And I have to tell you because I'm your father, and I have a responsibility. And I know that you're going to go ahead and do whatever it is that you (laughs) want to do, and you're not going to listen to a word I say. But I have a responsibility as your father to explain this to you. And he would explain it to me. And do you want to know something about 90% of that stuff? I listened to them yeah. and I didn't have to go through and 10%, I had to be a dummy and I had to go through it and I had to get humbled and, right. and it was all good. So Doug, thank you. Your story is, is inspirational to me. It breaks my heart. You know, some of the labels you got, I received those same labels. You know what that feels like on an mm-hmm. emotional level. And I'm really proud of you. And before I start crying, we better say <laughs> goodbye. <laughs> Guys, we're going to have something good for you in episode 17. I can't believe how fast time is going. Doug, any last words of wisdom to wrap this up? Um, you know what? I'll, I'll recommend two books. Oh, that's great. I love books so
1: the so, the first book, and this is something i've I've read recently that that has really um helped me understand um, have a better understanding of what my experience has been, and that's been David and Goliath by Malcolm Gladwell, and that's looking at the advantages of disadvantages and so whether you have uh, we're, we're diagnosed with or have dyslexia, um, like me, and, and quote learning disabilities, like me, or whether you have a lot of disadvantages being a business owner in a particular market, or lack of funds, or whatever. This is a, this is an incredible book to help you understand what the advantages um, are of your disadvantages, because there are. Please. The other book that, that I would have you – that I would recommend is, is one that I read a long time ago and I, I try to read this every year. It's a quick read it's, and it's an incredible read. It's called QBQ. It's the question behind the question um, by John Miller.
0: By John Miller?
1: Yeah. And so this is a book um, primarily about personal accountability. And so my recommendation is if you're a business owner, read this yourself and make this mandatory reading for every single employee. Um, there is there is not a book on accountability in in my opinion that that is this um, that is as powerful as the QBQ and um, John Miller is is a brilliant author um, and he and he he's, he does a lot of stuff on on um, social media as well so um, maybe even check him out um, on social media two really great books and really great ways to sort of plug in and help you sort of think through and identify. Um, your personal accountability because accountability is really accounting for your ability. (laughs) Exactly. And so once you know what that ability is, you can go for it. And so being honest with yourself and, and being willing to go and do the work is, is really the the prerequisite for success. I think in anything. That's awesome.
0: So that's it. I'm done. Thank you, Doug. (laughs) Thanks. Have a great day. So million guys, we'll see you next week on episode 17. Thank you for listening to the No BS Sales, Marketing, and More podcast for furniture and mattress stores. We love reviews at our podcasts. They help us get found. Please review us at iTunes or Stitcher. And while you're there, please subscribe. This podcast was brought to you by Primo Furniture Sales. For more tips on selling furniture and mattresses, go to pprimo.com. Till we meet again, sell a million. Thank you.